Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 5. While you're turning, you know, there are people in this life who represent us. It begins when we're small with our parents. Your parents represent you. And as you move through life, your teachers represent you. At times you'll have bosses that we used to call them champions. That would actually move you along or bring you along in your career. At times, lawyers will represent us. And then our elected officials are elected to represent us. And so there are people who represent us or speak for us or speak on our behalf. This morning... We've come to a section, we're going to be talking about the high priest. And it's really interesting, the verses and how they're paired together. Because we know that context is everything, right? So where it's found and what goes around it helps you to understand what's going on. And so we're going to be picking up in uh, chapter 5. We're actually going to read all of chapter 5 this morning. It's 14 verses. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can, he can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weaknesses. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins. As for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest. But he who said to him, you are my son today, I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest. Forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. Being designated by God as a a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him, we have much to say. And it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For, For though by this time you ought to have been teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and I ask, Father, that you'll speak to us this morning. ask that you'll show us what you have for us. Father, I pray that we'll understand what you have said here. And that you'll apply it to us. And Father, the great joy of communicating with you and hearing from you is watching you work in our lives and grow us. And show us the way that you have laid out before us. Thank you for this opportunity we have to fellowship together as brothers and sisters in Christ around your throne. And I pray, Father, that we we commit this time to you. And thank you for speaking. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning as we discuss the high priest, we're going to look at the human high priest. We're going to look at Jesus as our high priest. But then we're going to look at a section where we learn that it's really time to grow up. And so we begin with Jesus as our high or I'm uh, sorry, we begin with human high priest. Now, I can't wait to get to Jesus Christ. I'm so excited about it. The human high priest, they are appointed on behalf of men and things pertaining to God. So these guys, this goes back to the sacrificial system and and what happened with the tabernacle and all of the sacrifices and things that happened there. And there was 
the priest who served, but then there was the high priest. There was the guy who went inside, went in front of the actual Ark of the Covenant and offered sacrifices for the sins of of the people and of themselves. And so these guys, how would you like that job? (laughs) You know, to walk in there knowing that this is not only for all of these people, but it's also for you too. That'd be kind of a rough job. I don't know about that one. But they were appointed. They were sent there. They were appointed to represent the nation of Israel. I mean, imagine that. Just what it must have been like to have been the intermediary between God and man. So that's a tough job. Their work, though, their work, they were to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And the sacrifices were for the sins of the people and themselves. And so they had this system where they had to offer gifts. They had different offerings and things that they they went through their... uh, that were, there was wave offerings and there was bread offerings and there was all these other offerings. It's interesting how they all tie back into Christ and they tie back, some of them even tie back into the Passover itself. If you, has anybody ever studied the tabernacle? I know that's something you all sit around and talk about at home every night, right? <laughs> if you look at the elements like the showbread and the candle, uh, the uh, candelabra that was there. We know it today. You would hear it called a menorah today in the Jewish uh, faith. If you look at what Jesus said about himself in the Gospels, he said he was the bread of what? Life. So we have the table of showbread. He was the light of the world. So we have this candelabra. Everything about the sacrifice had to be pure. Everything about the tabernacle pointed to Christ. And these guys were representatives of God's people. It's really an interesting, very interesting study. There were offerings in the law that were remembrances. They were to remember certain things and do this as an offering. There were thanksgivings that they were thankful to God for his deliverance. They were thankful to God for his provisions. And they would go and, and these guys would go and do that. And there were even recognitions of who God was. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. But that's what, if you want to live based upon self-effort and self-righteousness, it's a lot of work. It is. And so that was part of what they had to do. The sin offering was to cover the sins of the people and them. You know, I can't imagine walking in there knowing that I have some sin that's not covered between me and God, offering the sacrifice there that's for that as well, and hoping that you can, almost hoping you can get it offered quick enough. Right? I mean, that would be kind of frightening that they had to do that. And so, their job was to offer sacrifice. And to go before God and do that. Then we see their attitude. The attitude of the high priest was gentleness toward the ignorant and misguided due to their own weaknesses. You know, it's really interesting when we're honest with ourselves and when we deal with the areas that we fall short. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have areas that I fall short. Does anybody else, is anybody else with me here? You have areas that, that you're not, that you're still working on or that you just know that I'm not... Good. Anybody here great at math? <laughs> We're in big trouble. <laughs> oh, we got one. We got one. All right. That was a close one. How many, how many of you like math in school? How many of you like English in school? Okay, how many of you just hated school? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. All right. We like, we like the, there's one bell we like, the last bell every day, right? And everybody said, that was pathetic. All right. But there were certain subjects we did well and certain subjects we did, but we're all weaknesses. But when you understand and, and and you have an area of weakness in your life and you see somebody struggling in the same way when they're struggling and you can feel that and you know and you go to them it's so much easier to understand that 
Because if I'm, let's use math for just a minute. If I'm struggling in math and somebody comes over and goes, that is just so easy. That doesn't help me at all, does it? Why is there, why do we do that? (laughs) Why do people do that? If somebody's struggling with something, let's say somebody is good at it. Why wouldn't you go to them with humility and brokenness that they're struggling with something that seems to come to you? That would be the heart of God, right? That's how life works. You know, isn't it nice when, when people when people help us without making us feel stupid? <clears throat> I know I said the word stupid from the pulpit, but that's okay because that's how we feel and that's truth. When somebody can say, hey, this, it's okay that you can't cook. You know, hey, let me show you how to work the toaster. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on now. Did anybody ever burnt bread in the toaster before other than me? Mm-hmm. All right. Y'all look at me like, what is he talking about? But that's what they're saying here. These guys, because they represented people and they had weaknesses like them, they were compassionate and gentle with them. It's interesting how this sets up. I know this seems like a lot of, some of this is technical, but you're going to see how this starts to, to uh, blossom out here in just a moment. See, these guys had both humility and honesty. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to look and say, yes, no, that's an area. This is something that I'm confident in. Are areas of strength? How many can think of at least one area of strength that you have? That should be all of you, right? Do we have any good lawnmowers in here? Two, three with my wife, but she's she actually made it today. She's been out for a while. <laughs> the new people were like, why is they clapping because the pastor's wife showed up? <laughs> She had a broken leg. She got her leg was broken in a, in a horse accident. She finally got back. I told her, you need to get back in church. <laughs> no, she's, uh, she, uh-oh, now I'm in trouble. Maybe I better, get, maybe I better go to church. Yes, I'll be going to church later. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, uh, she told me, she said, I'm going tomorrow. I'm going to get back going. And so we're glad she's here. So the, uh, the high priest, humility and honesty. See, Here's the deal. These guys, their responsibility came from God. They didn't ascend to that position. They say, hey, I want to be the high priest. How do I apply to be the high priest? They didn't do that. God appointed them. God called them. Just as he calls you. See, if you are within the sound of my voice. Is anybody here not in the sound of my voice? Just kidding. If you're within the sound of my voice, God has called you to ministry. And a hush fell over the room. Amen. God has called you to ministry. You're called to serve Him full time. Now we may work for a living and other things, but we don't put our Christian hat on and off as we go. You're called. Some of you are called vocationally, but we're all called, ladies and gentlemen, we're all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. There we go. The responsibility comes from God. It's a selection made by God. And when God calls, we answer, yes. Yes. When God calls, we answer, yes. You know, it's really interesting. There's a verse of scripture that says many are called, but few are chosen. You ever heard that verse before? Yes. Do you know why few are chosen? Because you say yes. They didn't say yes. They refused it. When God calls you, don't... It's so funny. I've seen this so much in my life. Ladies and gentlemen, please listen to me. If God calls you to something and you look at it and say, I can't do that. You know God's called you. Because he's not going to call you to something you can do in and of yourself. He calls you to his work and his work has to be done by him. And as long as we're relying on ourselves to accomplish the work of God, it's never going to work. 
He doesn't call me because I'm smart enough and and because gosh darn it, people like me. He calls me because that's a job he has for me. Does God need me to do that? No. He's inviting me for me. And if he uses me in the lives of others, he's the one blessing them. Doesn't have anything to do with me. What has to do with me is the fact that he's called me into that and allowed me to participate in the work that God that he's doing. That's the blessing. Not the results. And so they had human high priests, but these guys set up the picture of what was to come. We get to Jesus, our higher Christ, Jesus Christ, our high priest, in verses 5 through 10. In Christ, he said this, Christ did not glorify himself so he could become a high priest. He was humble. You don't intercede and stand on behalf of somebody because you're arrogant. How many, want, how many of you want an arrogant person to represent you? Usually, arrogant people, we go, I don't have anything to do with him. Right? I want somebody humble to represent me. And the humility of Christ, he didn't, he didn't take that role, even though he is God's son. He could say, I'm God, I'm the high priest, I'm here. He didn't do that. He's, in another verse, he's recognized as a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Here it is. We finally got to Melchizedek. How many of you have ever heard of Melchizedek? Oh, wow. How many of you know who Melchizedek is? Who was he? There's several theories on who Melchizedek was. I'm going to tell you one of the most popular theories. The most, one of the most popular theories that I've heard that from my study of scripture is not accurate. Is that that was Jesus Christ. You ever heard that theory that this was, yeah. Jesus cannot be a priest in the order of Melchizedek if he was Melchizedek. It violates scripture. That's why it can't be Christ. So who was Melchizedek? I'm glad you asked. Melchizedek was a priest. We see him early in Genesis. It said that he had no beginning or ending. That's where Christ gets applied to that. The question that we have to ask the scripture, is that talking about eternality or is that talking about the fact that we don't have any generations spoken of before him or after him? We don't know where he came from. And everybody will take that and apply it to Christ. And so the answer is we don't really know definitively who Melchizedek was. That's who he was. All we know is what we're told. Now there could be a link that I'm missing. I'm gonna I'll be I'll admit this. There may be a link that I'm missing in a way that he could be Melchizedek could have been Christ. I haven't seen it yet, I haven't read it yet, I haven't studied it yet, the Lord hasn't revealed that to me yet. I'm willing to be taught by the Lord. Okay? So that's where I stand. Unless God's word shows me something else. Isn't that where we should be, right? And so we see that he's to follow that. That there's this guy that showed up way back when. And that Jesus falls into that same idea. Because he has no beginning or no end. He's to come and serve and to do the right thing. Like Melchizedek did. And so let's look at what Jesus did while he was on earth. He offered prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the Father who could save him from death. 
You ever think about that in relation to Christ? Lord! I pray for... Said they were loud. We think about Jesus. See, Jesus is pictured as this mild and meek and this soft-spoken and this guy that was tall and thin with this long hair and this pretty face. He could have been on a soap opera back then. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the Bible said that Jesus wasn't much to look at. That's how I know I was made in his image. (laughs) He wasn't much to look at. And so, and he was, he was what? What do we know of him? He was a carpenter. Carpenter, you may have even had Popeye arms, you know, Listen, If you've ever done any, how many of you have ever moved a sheet of plywood? How many of you moved a three-quarter sheet of plywood? How many of you moved a three-quarter green sheet of plywood? <laughs> Those things are a beast, aren't they, right? You're like, holy mackerel. Because <laughs> they're waterlogged. They're waterlogged with that green stuff that they used to keep bugged out for like six months. <laughs> and so, I mean, so he, he probably had rough hands. He didn't have sight. So here's this guy. And he's here and he's praying, making supplications with loud crying. And tears to the Father is able to save him from death. Now that could have happened around the time leading to the cross. We know that he was in the garden praying when the disciples fell asleep. Remember that? You remember that story? And so there he is. But he was heard because of his piety. Y'all ever, y'all ever heard hear that word? Y'all use that word much? I don't use that word much. Piety just means reverence. He revered God. He had reverence for God in his prayers. And when you revere God, you're seeking what he wants and not what you want, right? If I, we, this was in business. They used to say, they always told me, I had a, I had a boss once always told me, always check to the power. If somebody tells you something, but somebody above him tells you something else, you do that. And when they find out, you just tell them. Hey, so-and-so told me to do this. You always check to the power. And that's what Jesus does here. He's showing reverence to God in his prayer. saying, you know, what did he say? Not my will, but thy will be done, right? How many of you realize that sometimes your will doesn't line up with the will of God? Right? I'm sorry that that happens because that happens to me too. And it's really frustrating. And it's, you know, it's all God's fault, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. It's our fault that that happens because we're not in alignment. It's not God's fault that we don't line up with him. We have to pay attention and revere him and what, what he wants. And so he prayed it. He interceded and communicated with God. That's what the high priest did. Although he was a son, now get this, he learned obedience from his sufferings. He learned obedience from his sufferings. There's value in suffering. That stinks, don't it? There's value in suffering. How many of you have ever had to suffer through something, but you learned a valuable lesson? See, we already know, you guys already know that. We just don't want to do it again. Right? I don't have any volunteers this morning to suffer this week, do I? We know there's value. Suffering is a gift because it unlocks things in us that could not be there except for going through it. And that's what he's talking about here. See, choosing to obey when it's easy does not give us the experience of paying a cost to follow him. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll serve the Lord that way. I've got spares. No cost. But when we've got to talk to somebody 
about the Lord? When you ever been led to share Christ with somebody who has some influence over your life, like your boss, or your children, or your parents, or your spouse? It's a little harder, isn't it? So he learned obedience from his sufferings. Now this caught my attention. We are told in this phrase, having been made perfect. Well, wait a minute. This is talking about Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about Christ. Having been made perfect. Wasn't Jesus already perfect? Mm -hmm. Then how can he be made perfect if he was already perfect? Didn't that create a conflict for you? It did for me when I read it. I was like, what? You have to say it real high-pitched when you're surprised. <laughs> it's like when something brushes your leg in the ocean. It doesn't matter how old we are, men. A 12-year-old girl comes out. <laughs> it touched me. It brushes your leg when you're down in Galveston. Have what? His suffering. We know this. His sufferings fulfilled the scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. What was the sacrifice supposed to be when it was offered? When it was of the Old Testament law? Had to be a perfect sacrifice, right? And if the scriptures said that the one who would die for our sins had to suffer, as it does says in Isaiah... I believe it was Isaiah 53. He became the perfect sacrifice because he fulfilled the scriptures, which he had to do. Otherwise, he would have been an imperfect sacrifice. So in this case, the path and the journey that Jesus took was part of the preparation so that he could be the sacrifice for our sins. It's an interesting study. And so, having been made perfect, that was part of the job. And then because he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who will obey him. Now, how many of you have ever disobeyed God? Are y'all in big trouble? According to that verse, right? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when he calls to you and says, you need to be saved. You need to know me. You need to turn your life over to me. And you say, yes, that's those who obey. He's not talking about a perfectly maintained life after that. There will be those who argue that in life. And I'm going to tell you something. They don't understand the word of God. He's talking about responding in faith, genuine, honest faith. God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I put my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection as payment for my sins and ask you to save me. If you've never done that before, you can do that. And you do not have to walk an aisle and talk to a preacher to do it. You just have to talk to the Lord. And he'll save you right where you are. This is about him and you. See, there's no other way. We must be saved through Jesus Christ. Nobody else has been perfected. <laughs> he is the only way. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life. You know, that was really interesting. I used to kind of think that that was just a general conglomerate. But if you break those down, they're really very different, very separate things. That'll be another sermon sometime. This brings light into that. See, like Christ, everything we go through is equipping us for our calling in Him. Everything. You ever, anybody here have bad things ever happen to them? Yeah, somebody said something, anybody ever said something about you that wasn't true? Anybody ever said something hateful to you? Anybody ever hurt your feelings? 
That happened today? <laughs> but it happens, right? Welcome to the crowd. You're not alone. You're not being picked on. That's life. And all those things. Anybody here ever dealt with physical ailments? Anybody here ever dealt with emotional pain or loss? Welcome. You've been equipped. I didn't understand that when I was younger. It's funny how you go through things and it makes no sense. And then someone will share a story with you and you're like, oh man, I just went through that. God just saw me through that. Everything we go through is part of our equipping. And so it's really interesting. He's talking about these high priest roles, right? And then he kind of, he gives them a, he, <laughs> he says, but look, you need to grow up. Now, how does that have to do with the other? These guys represented God to man or man to God, right? We represent God to man. When we go, we say we're a Christian. You know what? Y'all know where y'all know where that first came from? We're a Christian. It didn't come from living in America. It came from Antioch. It was a derogatory term saying, Oh, those people are followers of Christ. They're Christians. And so it was a negative term. We turned it into a point. It's kind of like the word bad meant in the 80s and 90s. Hey man, that's bad. You know, back in the 50s and 60s, that meant something really was bad. Like it was rotten. And then it became, no, that's really something cool. Cool can be temperature or cool can be really interesting, right? It can mean either thing. Words take on changes over time. But he tells them that they need to grow up. He addresses the people, telling them that their dullness of hearing is keeping keeping them, or keeping him from telling them more about Christ. See, our hearing will prevent spiritual growth in our lives. Well, I would hear if he would speak. You ever said that? I've said that, sitting where you are. If he'd just speak to me, I would do it. But he don't speak to me. I've never heard God. And then some spiritual person will come along and they'll say, well, he speaks in a still, small voice. You ever heard that one? I've not experienced that. You know why his voice seems still and small? How, how would a voice seem still and small? When it's a long way off, Right? Uh-oh. So if somebody's just talking normal, the further they get away, their voice gets smaller and quieter because of distance. He's clear. The problem is, there's so much loudness in our lives. There's things that scream, the world screams, come, you can have it your way. Charge it, get it today, pay for it tomorrow. Listen, if I was loaning to you at 19%, I would tell you to do the same thing. Because every dollar you spend, I just made 19% on it. Right? What if I could give you a 20% return on your money? Wouldn't you take it? We'd all, where do I sign? We're selling church bonds, a 20% return. They go like hotcakes. I could sell, I could put a sign out there and sell and people would drive in. Guaranteed return. And we buy into it like it's the only way to live. You know, there was a time in America where people didn't buy stuff unless they had the cash. <laughs> but how would I ever get an airplane ticket then? I understand things have changed and we're more online. There was a time that the internet didn't exist when I was in school. I actually had to use an encyclopedia that didn't start with a W. <laughs> They were on the shelf. 
all the young people going, man, that guy's old. <laughs> so he tells them here that they need to grow up. He tells them that they should already have been teachers. Instead, they need to be taught themselves the elementary principles of God. They need milk and are not ready for meat. He said, you got, you know, length, length of salvation doesn't equal maturity always. You can repeat the first, anybody, you know what? We've all known people who've repeated a year in school. We can be fifth graders twice. Sometimes we're repeating that first year. We may have been saved 20 years, but we're still in year one. It all has to do with hearing. Let me tell you how hearing will, well, we'll get to that in a minute. He talks about the mature. The mature are accustomed to the word of righteousness. If you read through there, that's what he's saying. That the mature are accustomed to the word of righteousness. In other words, they're used to the word of God. It's familiar to them. They get it. It makes sense. So they spend time in the word of God. I'm not telling you to. to, This isn't. If anybody knows me. I'm not about do's and don'ts here. I'm about grace in Jesus Christ. And how he can transform your life. But there is a responsibility for us. To live. If I take a minute and I read this, am I listening to God? (laughs) Maybe. Y'all are afraid to answer. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I at least have the opportunity, don't I? Is this the word of God? Yes. Genesis to Revelation. Table of contents to map, some people say. I don't say that. Because that extra stuff in your Bible, that's put there to help. That ain't the Word of God. It's Genesis to Revelation, period. Amen. God wrote this. And if I want to hear His voice, I read it. And I remember sitting where you say, I'd roll my eyes at that too. I did. I don't know if you did, but I did. But there became one day, and I remember this is, this is true for my life. I remember there was this one time, this moment in my life where I prayed and I said, Lord, if you show me or if you do that, I'll do it. And I was willing and I was serious. And he did and I did. And that is the key to hearing. How many of you have children? How many of you have been children? how many of you have had your parents tell you more than once to do something? <laughs> how many of your parents were happy about that? <laughs> right? But if you never did it, they probably would stop asking you to do it, right? Because why would they ask you if you're never going to do it? And then you blame them for not asking you to do anything for them or do anything. It's not God's fault that we don't hear His voice, ladies and gentlemen. It falls to us. It falls to our willingness to obey. That's where it is. It's bottom line. And so, they were accustomed to the word of righteousness. By practice. How do you practice that? Maybe you've ever practiced something. You ever practice how to hit a ball? Play piano? Thank you, Matthew. Matthew is practicing to play piano right there. Play an instrument. We've all had to practice something. Tying a tie. <laughs> Some of the guys they sometimes. <laughs> Tying a tie. Practice. How do you do that? You do it over and over and over and over. You want to throw a curveball? The first time you throw it, it may you may get lucky and it curves. They call that beginner's luck, right? But if you want to get it perfected, where you can kind of hit your spot, where it kind of sinks down and it drops, you got to know how to hold the ball. You got to know where to release the ball. 
you got to know where the laces are supposed to sit in your hands so the ball can actually do so it appears and it'll do what you want it to do. It takes practice. And so when he says here <laughs> that by practice they train their senses to discern good and evil, means they've been doing it. They've been doing it over and over and over and over and over. So now they're seeing the difference of where God's word leads and where it doesn't lead. And the application of that in their life has been repeated over and over. That's what the mature do because they take the word of God and they apply it. That's the difference. And that's what it looks like applied over and over. And why do we have to do that? Because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to get off. It's so easy to start relying on your own resources. And we just want God to kind of help us be successful with what we do. And God has not called us to that. He's called us to himself and to the work that he has created for us from the foundation of the world. It is not his job to make your life better. It is his job to strip everything away from you that keeps you from doing what he has called you to do. And equip you with everything you need to do it. And that's the way it works. See, the more you study and apply, the more you grow. And it's time to grow up, ladies and gentlemen. So how do we take this and put it in our pocket and walk out of here, but pull it out and use it at the same time? Well, we begin with this. Let me give you four things. God will lead us into the work He's planned for us. It is not a mystery to discover it. It's not a mystery. God doesn't say, well, I've got this plan for you, but you try and figure it out. Go buy a book on discovering my will for you. That's not what He does. You fall in love with Him and you start applying what He's asking you to do. Then when God says, I want you to, you have a change of work or a change of this, it's a natural conversation. It just happens. You just go and do it because you've already been doing it. You don't have to try to, and he'll never reveal it if you're not willing to do what he showed you just as a, as a walking Christian. He will lead us. Quit trying to figure it out without any obedience in your life. Obedience is, you know, we think of obedience as oh, all the stuff that I hate to do, right? Isn't that how the word obedience? Like we're going to train obedience into this dog. We're going to cram it down their throat. That's how we feel when the word obedience is used. I think the enemy has done that to us. To steal the joy of being, the safety that's in obedience. Think about this for just a minute. If God came and said to me, I want you to walk over there. And I said, well, God, that's a long way. And that, that stage curves there. So that could be dangerous for me. So I don't, you know, I don't know about that. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Am I safer here with this conversation? Or am I safer just turning and going? If this is what God said, I know he said it. Why wouldn't I just do it? Because we don't trust him. That's our problem. I'm going to tell you something. You need to start trusting him. Because there's things that... Who's, is there, do you guys understand everything in the word of God? <laughs> Isn't there things that don't make sense in there to us? Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> that God asks people to do. I want you to march around this city and seven times blow your trumpets and the, the walls are going to fall down. What? <laughs> We're going to reveal ourselves... We're going to let them count us as we walk around seven times. And then you think we're going to win? That would be my argument, right? You're like, I don't want to go out there in the open. They could shoot arrows at us. Drop rocks on our head. Wouldn't that be logical? God doesn't live based on logic. He's God. He exists beyond logic. Stop trusting your own mind to ration it out, figure it out. Know that it makes sense before you obey it. Just obey. Two. Humility does not assert itself. It serves and obeys. If I'm humble, 
Is I in a humble position when I say, yeah, God, I don't know about that. I'm putting myself above him, not underneath him. Because I'm questioning him. That's not a humble place. If I truly trust him, and I have humility, I do exactly what he says when he says, and I trust that he will stop me before I fall off, unless that's his plan for me to fall off, to give me something I need. That's what we're afraid of, really. That we're going to get hurt following. That you ever been hurt following the Lord? I have. Yes. Ever been, been hurt in church? Anybody ever hurt your feelings in church? Yeah. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just cut through it. Well, that church didn't have everything that I wanted. Maybe you should just start looking for the presence of God in a place. Is He not enough? Now, that doesn't, now listen, that doesn't mean that we don't take seriously our ministries. That doesn't mean that we don't take seriously the calling that God has given us. But we are teaching people to be smorgasbord Christians instead of genuine, sold-out, Christ-centered, Christ-followers who are going to give their life on the battlefield for Him. He gave his life for us. Why wouldn't we be willing to do the same? Talk is cheap though. It's easy to stand here and say that. Easy. I can tell you stories of people who face down gun barrels. I know a story of a, of a boy who was nine. Nine years old. That's a true story. He was in Africa. And the rebels came against him. And they held a gun to his face, said, Are you about you ready? You ready to die? He looked at him and he said, Yep. <laughs> He's nine. <laughs> I'm ready. He said, Are you? And the guy started shaking. Half of them left. The other half, he led them to Christ. Because there's things bigger than our life. Ladies and gentlemen. That boy eventually gave his life for the Lord. I know his father. I talked to his father. It's a true story. Humility does not assert itself. It serves and obeys. Three. The difficult things we go through are equipping us with the tools to help others. You ever been through something that just absolutely stinks? We can't stand it. And it won't seem to go away. You can't escape it. You ever felt trapped? You ever felt like, how, why me? How come I have this? God, where are you when? You're the hope that people need. You're the hope. Londa and I were talking about a book the other day called Your Miracle Waiting to Happen. How many people that you know have been a miracle in your life that's really made a difference that you'd since you'd know, right? You are that for somebody else. Well, you don't know me. I'm not really, you're, you're right, I don't. But I know the one who is the miracle in you. And he's all of it. He is all of it. Four, if we want to mature in Christ, the only way is to read and apply his word. And just whatever it says, just do whatever he tells you. If he tells you to do something, even if it seems crazy. We talked about the guy with the gallon of milk a couple of weeks ago. Y'all remember that? The guy, the Cliff Notes version, which we all loved in school. The guy prayed, said, God, do you still speak? And he said, yes. He said, I'll do whatever you tell me. He was driving home and God told him to buy a gallon of milk. He's like, what? He said, well, if that's all God wants me to do, I can do that. So he buys it and he God told him to turn here and he told him to pull over and he told him to go knock on that door and the lights were out and he knocked on the door anyway. And the guy started saying, who is it? Who is it? And the guy, he opened the door and he says, here, God told me to give you this. And the guy took the milk and ran away from him. Before he knew it, him and his wife were coming back in tears and they'd been praying because they had had a lot of bills and they couldn't buy their baby milk. And God used them to be a, him to be a blessing. It's a true story. 
because he's willing to obey and things that make no sense. Because God sees things you don't see. Do you think your parents saw things you didn't see when you were a kid? My parents are here and I'm going to tell you they did. Amen. <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> They did because they have better vision because I wasn't grown up yet. And that's why he's telling them to grow up so we can see what God's up to. You see how this is starting to come together? It's really kind of cool. Just like, you know, there was a man teaching business classes. This is a boy he shared this about his father. The man was his father. There was a man teaching business classes at a local prison through community college. And his first night, he started a chapter in banking. And he was going through this course, and in that course, the uh, subject of ATMs came up. And he told them, he said, uh, he said, most ATMs carry about $1,500 in cash. And uh, one of the guys, this is what he said, just at that time, one of the men said, um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but the one I robbed had about 5,000 in it. <laughs> that was in Reader's Digest, that this boy shared this. Experience does teach us certain things, doesn't it? And that's the point. The stuff we go through, the path helps us to be as the human high priest that we're understanding because they had weaknesses also. The things we go through, they're part of the journey. They're part of our ministry shape. It's how God shapes us for me. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, your personality, and your experiences all work together. That's your ministry shape. All work together to equip you to be used by God. That's how it works. And so ladies and gentlemen, I think the bottom line for us is it's time for us to move on to maturity. It's time for us to actually walk with Him. And as you actually walk with Him, then you'll discover why he's, he, uh, what He's doing in your life. And you know what? Maybe if a church doesn't have something, maybe you're called to bring it. You know, when New Life started, and when we started New Life, it was just me and Terry. There was a lot we didn't have. <laughs> we didn't even have chairs. We were praying that, you know, we were praying that God would give us chairs. And there was another church that, that was supposed to get these chairs, and they didn't get them. And the guy said, I've got all these chairs. If you want to use them, I said, I'll take them. And they fell right into our lap. It's just, just time after time. When you're doing what God called you to do, it comes together. Does it mean the life, the road is easy? Does it mean that there's not difficulties? Does it mean there's times you're not frustrated? Does it mean there's times you don't want to just give up? If I told you that that, was, <laughs> that didn't happen, that'd be a lie. Because you already know that's not that true. But the journey is a joy because you're in Him. And so if He's been speaking to you, or if you want Him to speak to you, I would say let's start today. I want everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. What has God been speaking to you about? What has He asked you to do?